This edition of True Hill Heat is brought to you by Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series. Kicking off on Saturday, September 12th. It will be on the 19th and the 26th. Three huge shows inside a huge stadium in Chicago Heights. On the 12th, it is headlined by a very anticipated match as Tessa Blanchard defends the Warrior Wrestling Women's Championship against Kylie Ray. Without further ado, this is True Heel Heat. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, your True Heel Phenom, SP3. We are back with our latest podcast, True Heel Heat 91. The road to True Heel Heat 100 continues. On this edition of True Heel Heat, we will be discussing all of the fallout from AEW All Out, WWE's ban on third-party platforms, which will be an interesting conversation for sure. We will be reviewing NXT Super Tuesday two as well as the newsworthy post all out aew dynamite and previewing the huge event this saturday in chicago heights night one of warrior wrestling stadium series this is a special warrior wrestling presents true hill heat 91 of course i am back as usual with the princess of all the true hills miss chrissy love hello 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 all my true hills <laughs> yes, Chrissy, looking beautiful as usual. Unfortunately, our resident True Hill alcoholic, uh, Top Guy JJ, can't be with us for this edition. We want to shout Shout him out to the mouth in yes. prayers. Yes. Send our prayers to him. We hope that he is in good and good graces in yes. London, England, on vacation, and he is having a peaceful day. And this True Hill heat is dedicated dedica- to him as, as well. Yes, for sure. yes, yes. But filling in those shoes for Top Guy JJ is our Chicago representative, the co- the host of Dark Power, our correspondent for AEW Dark and Impact Wrestling, the one, the only, Stat King, John Paul Martin. Welcome back. Glad to be back, guys. I couldn't, I couldn't break my, my streak of always having the longest episode every time I'm on. So I decided to be come on back-to-back episodes and just see what we can do this time around. Yay! <laughs> I, I, yeah, this is your streak. You've been on you've been on like four four episodes, I think I think all together, and this is back to back. This is impressive, impressive. Yeah. But he is not the only Chicagoan that we have on this edition of True Hill Heat. We have a very very special guest. We've had all types of people the last couple of weeks, from wrestling journalists to uh, promoters to to uh, uh, podcast host, but this time we have one of our favorite promoters in the wrestling world. He is the promoter for Warrior Wrestling, so we have a special correspondent for our Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series presents uh, True Hill Heat 91, and he is also the principal of Mary Marion Catholic High School. I hope I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> principal Steve Tortorello. Yay! Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor to be here and talk wrestling with other people who love it. (laughs) Well, of course, as usual with our special guest, Steve, please tell the people a little bit about yourself and how you became, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, we know how you became a principal. You work hard in that (laughs) field, but tell us a little bit how you became the promoter for Warrior Wrestling. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to give you guys the Cliff Notes version of this because I could do a whole hour <laughs> through my fandom as well. So as a little kid growing up in the 80s, I was a Hulkamaniac. And like everybody else, mm. 
got out of wrestling in the 90s, fell back in love with it during the Attitude Era, and from then on, I was hooked. So starting in the early 2000s, I was going to everything I could, indie wrestling, you name it. I went to college. I actually wrote my honors thesis on the history of pro wrestling from World War II to the present. And wow. then um, I lived in California for a few years where I trained uh, to, to be a wrestler. Never actually had a match, but I trained and went to PWG and other local indies. When I came back home, I started going to indies in the Midwest. And a few years ago, I just got the itch and felt like I need to... I need to do this. I've always had some type of creative outlet. I've run improv and sketch comedy groups and done other things in the past. And I mm. felt like I needed a, an outlet. And I gathered my best friend in the world, Eric, who's my right-hand man and warrior. And he was the one who actually had the idea, you know, why don't you do it with the school? You know, you're not really looking to make money out of this on your own. You really just want to do this because you love it. Why don't you pair it with the school, give anything you make to the school. And that way the school has the gym, the school has the facilities, the school has all those things. And so Warrior Wrestling was born in the winter of 1718. We ran our first show in spring of May 2018, and we have not looked back. And now we are outdoors for COVID. And, you know, lo and behold, ha being a high school is a huge advantage because we own our own outdoor stadium. Mm. So now we are an outdoor organization for the fall. We had one show in August. We've got three more coming up. And we're just looking forward to sharing live wrestling with the Midwest again. Nice. You you were one of the first major shows to come back into the independent scene in Chicago, Illinois. I know our good friend here, Stat King, he was there live to witness the stadium, uh, the uh, Friday Night Friday Lights Night event, which was amazing on August 7th. And uh, I got to give it up for you because you've even been quoted as Tony Khan getting inspiration from you guys on how to bring fans back to professional wrestling. Wow. So you deserve a lot of credit, sir. Well, thank you very much. You know, we we just did it as safely as we possibly could, and we, we worried about everything that we did leading up to it. And, um, you know, we, we were not going to do it if we couldn't do it well. And, and luckily, every and it all depends on the fans, too, because we can do the safest show you've ever seen. But if the fans don't comply and do what they need to do, then it would be for nothing. Mm -hmm. And luckily, we had great people that showed up, and everybody was willing to do their part. And it worked so well that we're doing it again. Love to see it. So we will for sure, uh, towards the end of this episode, we're going to give you a full preview for night one of the stadium series. It's going to be three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back Saturday nights in Chicago Heights. This is huge events, huge card, and the night one is just the tip of the iceberg, but we're definitely going to talk about that in full review later. But first of all, we start off every True Hill Heat with our True Hill Roll Call. This is for you, the fans of True Hill Heat are supporters on social media as well as right here on our youtube channel our true hill trinity our top three conversation starters on our facebook group page is on this week for number three we have charles kirkhoff coming in at number two is our new japan aficionado james wims and coming in at number one it is goldberg streak once again the <laughs> negro buck nick jackson Nick. always always nice. oh. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Our True Hills that we got to shout out, Arginino Binsmo, uh, Eva Martinez, Des Cook, Jose Antonio Roman, and a, a Twitter follower, a new couple of Twitter followers that we got on the Twitter machine, uh, Wooster182 on Twitter. We got to shout him out as well. Our YouTube subscriber highlight, Nick, is back again. He's in the comment section this time, and he commented on True Hill Heat 90. Glad to see Stat King and JJ back, and 
and I'm right here with you, top guy. Uh, R.I.P. to Chadwick Bosman, uh, a oh. real life superhero. Bozeman, a uh, real life superhero, will be so missed. So shout out to Nick for that comment. Our kayfabe tactics, our king of the comments section for True Rewind episode 19. He said, "I'm already getting wrecked." LOL. This is such a fun <laughs> show to listen to. Keep up the good work. In comes the money. Commented on our AEW All Out roundtable. We want to give it up to everyone who watched that roundtable. One of our most successful ones, and a lot of comments from that uh, video. He said, "I stay up. Uh, I stayed up for this." Quoting Marcus <laughs> Cash. You guys are funny. I didn't watch, but now I kind of want to just so I can laugh with you guys. Great job. Stephen Day also commented on the All Out Roundtable. I'd say Jungle Boy as a, as a name is fine. Still using Kid for years. Uh, never hurt the Dynamite Kid. And that was also quoting Marcus Cash. Marcus Cash has very polarizing takes if you if you haven't noticed. And uh, Spilled Whiskey says All Out was an All Out botch fest. So that is a good transition as we talk about what we miss which was AEW All Out and the reason probably for that comment has to do with one of the top things that happened on the show very very scary moment in the Broken Rules match as Sammy Guevara spears Matt Hardy off of a forklift down onto two tables with Matt's head striking the concrete then mm. AEW ends the match only to restart it to one of the most controversial decisions in AEW history a lot of fall out from there whether Matt was uh, uh, okay. had a, concu had a mm -hmm. concussion you know some people were just scared for Matt's life in general and they really took a lot of air out of that show I know yeah. Rebby Hardy was on a uh, social media outburst being the wife uh, and having three kids at home and seeing the, the father of her kids uh, you know have such a bad fall like that he was unconscious on the floor for at least one minute or two mm -hmm. A very scary moment at uh, All Out, but what were your guys' thoughts on this? We'll start with you, Steve. You know, um, I, I think you always have to put people's safety first, and it, AEW made the right call and then the wrong call. Mm. They stopped mm -hmm. the match, and then they resumed the match. And I'm sure while the match was stopped, which we okay. didn't see, people were saying, no, we're going to push through, we can do it, let's go to the finish. They made the right call to stop the match. They should have stuck with the right call that they made. Restarting it was then a mistake. I could totally agree with you there. How about you, Miss Chrissy Love? Um, I, I totally agree. Um, you did the right thing. Just like Steve said, you just, all you had to do was stop it. Everyone would have been fine with it. Like his safety is more important than continuing a match and entertaining us. Like if he can't entertain us, then. What's the point of him? Like, like his safety and, and is, is what's important. And like, and like his wife did, I, I would have totally did the same thing. Go on a rant because he's a husband, he's a dad, like, he's, a, like he's, he's someone else outside of this. And they need him. So for you to continue this, it's, it's very careless and disappointing for them to do that because you stopped it. And we know why you stopped it. You didn't need, there was no need for you to continue it. Even if they said it was okay. He should have just went to the, the hospital and got checked out. Absolutely, which he did after after the show, but no. I, I can totally agree. They could have just stopped it right there. None of the fans would have been upset. How about you, Stacking? I can understand why they may have wanted him, why they may have let it continue, because Matt's, Matt's a performer, and he's been doing this for so long, he wants to be out there. And I can understand from a behind-the-scenes perspective 
what the stipulation was. So if you call the match because Matt's injured, that might have storyline ramifications. But they could easily, this is wrestling, it's, it's, it's creative writing in essence, and there are ways to, to write your way out of the mm-hmm. situation that they would have been in. Just have Matt say, you know, a referee's decision doesn't mean I lost. It means the, right. the decision right. is taken out of my hands, so right. I should not have to leave AEW. And then you can continue with that, and you can even use, you can even have Sammy do some kind of storyline or, or add something to his character about he hurts people or he injures mm. people. You know, do something like that just to give him more of an edge and yep. then revisit it down the road when Matt's able to return. So I can understand, so I, I don't think they needed to restart the match, but I can, I can understand why in the heat of the moment they may have made a decision and, and, and caved to the decision that they made. Yeah, it just was very, very scary to watch because it was very visible that he was out on his feet and he was stumbling. So it just you you never want to see any wrestler, regardless of how you feel about them. You never want to see them in that state. So this was a very controversial, criticized decision. I went off on a whole rant on it on our <laughs> roundtable, and I said that this was the worst and the lowest, the lowest point or lowest light that I've seen on AEW since its mm. inception last year. This was a very bad decision, and it's something that they need to learn from. But yeah. it wasn't all all the bad with all the ugly with uh, AEW <laughs> all out. It was some good, as we saw MJF have a great performance, a breakout performance in the main event against John Moxley. John Moxley getting the victory as the champ uses the band Paradigm Shift. What was your thoughts on you? You called him uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., Miss Chrissy Love. What was your thoughts on MJS performance in this main event? I, I Phenomenal. We won't talk about AEW Dynamite, but I, I of course didn't disappoint at all. Like, he was amazing. <laughs> like, I knew he wasn't going to disappoint. I knew he was going to just, like, be a star and break out and be great, so... Very yes, happy. I, I love the bloodshed. This was a very old school type of world title match. What was your thoughts on the uh, AEW world title match, Steve? You know, I think you, you nailed it right there when you said old school. This was a fight, and it was a fight between two really great characters. Mm. Moxley yes. is kind of like the, the pit bull dog you let off a leash, and that's, that's who Moxley is. And he had to behave and not use mm-hmm. his moves. And MJF is just this conniving villain. And mm. not only is he a great character, he's a great wrestler. I, I thought that to me, I think there were three matches that absolutely stole the show. And that was one of them. I thought it was mm. a great main event. And it showed any doubters that MJF is main event material. Mm. Mm. Totally agree with you there. And I love about John Moxley. What makes him a great baby face is the fact that he tells you what's going to happen in the match before it happens. Like he said that, you know, he can, he, yes, MJF might be better than him in the ring, but he's going to take him to the deep waters and all MJF is going to do is run away. Even though MJF didn't really run away, he fought and he showed a lot in fighting. So I do agree with you. He did show without a shadow of doubt he was a main eventer. John, what was your thoughts? I enjoyed it immensely. I thought that that match kind of highlights what happens when you have people who solidly know their characters and know what they're doing in the ring. Because yeah. in that situation, every move, every every step you take, every breath you all that all that fun stuff, everything means more. It means a little bit more. And then as certain things happen, 
you see the you see the 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 realization of what the setup was earlier in the match or where how they were putting this together and how they were building it and i mean i don't know if they planned out this match or planned out certain spots but if they didn't that just makes it even, even more amazing because they were able to call this on the fly and they know their characters so well to say somebody's whispering in your ear like we got to do this yeah no that makes sense let's do that and that's mm-hmm. that's just it was a really good main event so yeah one that was a, one match that was a little bit more intricate, but I would say was just as great was the AEW World Tag Team Titles match as FTR defeated Kenny Omega and Hangman Page to become the new champions. Uh, this was a long match, so you know this was a polarizing view. Some some people thought it was too long, but honestly, I loved this match. This was a lot of great tag team wrestling involved. Stag King, we'll start with you. What was your thoughts on FTR becoming the new AEW? World Tag Team Champions. It was a result that we kind of knew was going to happen. (laughs) But that didn't take anything away from it happening and how it happened. Uh, Regarding the match length, I will say that I think that, and this is something that affects the the, the entire pay-per-view from more than just the standpoint of whether or not AEW made the right decision with the Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara situation. But if you look at the match times, that match ended up being roughly nine minutes. If you add in how long (laughs) between when they stopped the match and when they restarted it, which was probably another few minutes, the total segment was probably maybe 11 to 12 minutes. That time that it was supposed to actually have then got added to all of those other matches. So I think if we had, if we had had, if, if the Sammy and Matt match had happened as it should have, the other the, the tag matches and all those others would have been a little bit tighter. But that being yeah. said, FTR and Hangman and, and Kenny Omega put on a show and can't can't say enough about that match about that about and and the performers within. Mm. Chrissy Love, what was your thoughts? Um, I think John said it all very well. Uh, I didn't count it down or like put in all of the the time framing, but um, I, I we already knew that FTR was going to perform and and win as they the, as they should. Um. It was time for Omega and Hangman to have their their little beef to start. You know what I'm saying? So um, a, a lot of people were upset that they were still even in the tag team division to begin with. Um, so um, I thought the match was great. A little tad long, but still good and and um, very good, though. So, what was your thoughts, uh, Steve, on the fallout from this match as well as the match? What was your thoughts on uh, hang, uh, Hangman Page getting left hanging by Kenny Omega? <laughs> you know, I liked the twist. I think we've been suspecting for six months that this team would implode when Hangman finally turns on the Young Bucks and Kenny and leaves the Elite. And two weeks ago, they very much implied that was coming when he cost the Young Bucks the the, um, gauntlet match. And then so you think this is the way we're going, right? We're going towards a heel Hangman and a babyface Elite. And then all of a sudden, when that match is over, Mm -hmm. Kenny walks out of camp. The next, you know, the next episode of Dynamite, Hangman wants to get back together and take another shot at it. And <laughs> we're like, nope, yep. So all of a sudden, everything just got reset. We mm-hmm. don't know. When, when we think we know what the game is and we're watching checkers, the elite are playing chess. Yeah. So this story <laughs> is longer and deeper than we know. And I'm excited for that. Surprise me. Take me a place I'm not sure I'm going. 
I, yes, I love how this this story just keeps developing yep. and it keeps going on different turns that we don't expect. Also, we saw a very good title match as the AEW Women's uh, Championship was on the line with Sheeta defeating the NWA World's Women's Champion Thunder Rosa. I thought that was one of the best, the better matches on the show. We also had the Young Bucks showing a more heelish persona against uh, Jurassic Express. We had Lance Archer winning the Casino Battle Royal, which was full of a lot of botches and a lot of rough rough spots including uh matt seidel making his debut in spectacular fashion to say say the least and uh darby allen getting a thumbtack body bag spot on the on the stage and as we kicked off the show with big swole uh defeating dr goat baker in the tooth and nail match which was added to the show after the fans made an outrage about it being on the buy-in tony khan made the decision to put this match on the show any thoughts on uh the other matches on the show and what stood out outside of those uh, major matches that we already spoke of. Steve? Uh, I would say the same thing I said about the Matt Hardy call earlier. Tony Khan made an initial correct call and then got convinced out of his correct call. The Mm. Britt Baker Big Swole match, as much as I love both of them, we've worked with both of them at Warrior Wrestling, that was not the way to start a pay-per-view. And I don't think, for a company that prides itself on building this party wrestling atmosphere cinematic matches i don't think really fit now the stadium stampede was a little bit different they did that whole double or nothing pay-per-view and then threw to the stadium stampede as the ending Mm. i don't think you start off your show with a cinematic match not in the arena the fans in daly's place had to watch it on the screen i I think tony khan's gut call was correct at first it was a pre-show segment not a knock to the people who were in it, but that style of segment should not have kicked off the main show. Because for me, yeah. the show didn't really start until the Young Bucks faced Jurassic Express. Then I, I felt like we were in an AEW pay-per-view. Um, so oh, that's my no. thought on the, the Britt Baker-Big Swole match. I thought Bucks versus uh, Jurassic Express was fantastic. I also thought Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta was fantastic. And obviously, I'm biased. Thunder Rosa is going to be here with us in two days. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> There's a reason she was with them. There's a reason she'll be with us because she's amazing and she should be everywhere. So I thought the Bucks and Thunder Rosa Sheeta were the other two highlights for me as the top three matches on the card. I agree with you for sure. And yeah, just because of how great that Bucks versus Jurassic Express match, that would have been the perfect opener for this show. And I think yeah. the show would have, even with the, you know, what happened with Matt Hardy, the rough spots in the casino battle royal, the show would have flowed a little bit better with that kicking off the show. Stag King, any, uh, any highlights that you want to point out? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Karshida and I'm a huge fan of Thunder Rosa. So that match was incredible to me. Uh, one thing I will say about that match is that my, my girlfriend, who's a huge fan of both, we, we got to see Thunder Rosa versus Jordan Grace live at Freelance. And uh, for her, that's her match of the night, just to be able to see two incredible women just tearing the house down and telling an amazing story within the match. That, for her, that was her match of the night. And I will say, yeah. I, I, wonder, I wonder how, with, with the tooth and nail match, if what they had done was instead, say, start with Bucks and Jurassic Express, then start the tooth and nail, and then kind of cut back to the ring and leave us wondering what was going on, and mm-hmm. then after matches, cut back to, the, to, that, uh, to that dentist's office and say, hey, oh, this is, oh, wow, we're, we're getting a, a quick update, let's, let's jump back over, and then they pop back in for a few moments and come back, and then split it up that way, maybe that would have worked a little bit better if they're going to include it on the main card but i think you know 
like, like, like Steve's saying, he kind of had the right decision and then bailed out of it. And when he bailed out of it, he he didn't try to be more creative than he than he felt he needed to. Just okay, yeah, fans wanted the main card. Let's just give it to them on the main card. So. Yeah, that's an interesting take. It probably would have like worked out a little bit better if they would have done it that way. And I do agree with you, Sheeta and Rosa. They definitely delivered. I gave them my MVPs for the entire All Out because they were put in a rough position coming after the whole party yeah. incident. Yeah. So I think if they're given another opportunity, the match is going to be even better than what we saw at All Out. Uh, Chrissy Love. Um, shout out to the women. Uh, it's unfortunate that. And Swole had to open a show that way. It's it was not one of my likings of, and I was looking forward to that, but I was very disappointed for that particular one. So the other women's match definitely exceeded, and then we needed more women's wrestling a little bit to be put on a pedestal in AEW. So for that match to happen, I thought it was very very good. Um, show was solid. Um, but that was one of the, the I, I agree with you, that's, that's definitely an MVP um, for me. Um, the Bucks, of course, the Bucks, they are who they are. Um, MJF, you know, I was like, <laughs> so uh, other than that, but uh, just like uh, one thing that Steve said, a lot of people are like going back and forth with the whole thing of what AEW is giving us right now. They're not, not trying to be so comedic wrestling. They want to see them more serious right now. So a lot of people are definitely saying that, and they, I, I guess we have to just wait and see. They just want them to be more like, give us the wrestling. We don't need you to just do the whole comedic stuff. Like, give us the great storylines, which you guys have been doing so far, and just keep going into that same motion, and we'll get where we need to get. So other than that, the, the, um, the pay-per-view was good, solid. I think the women's match took it over, to, took it, made it one of my favorites, so. Yeah, I would say the women's match and the world title match definitely gave me gave it a more positive grade than I would have gave it towards like the middle of the show. Like I said, because of the stellar uh, level of pay per views that we've gotten from AEW, I said it mm-hmm. on our roundtable. This, in my opinion, was the weakest AEW yeah. pay per view, which is Absolutely. not saying not saying anything. Like the rest of the pay per views have been great, amazing, mm-hmm. and stellar. This was good, pretty this good. Was, right, right. This was not, <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was still good. Yeah. So, so I, I would say this was the weakest, but definitely a good effort from the roster for sure. Also, what we missed was SmackDown, one of the best shows since uh, SmackDown has moved over to Fox. And it was highlighted by Jay Uso, of all people, winning a fatal four-way to become the number one contender to the Universal title at Clash of Champions. We also saw Roman and Heyman's first promo as an alliance together. Big E was attacked by Sheamus in the parking lot getting the white nose on a windshield and of course the shocking betrayal of Sasha Banks as Bailey brutalized her best friend in in one of the better uh turns that we've seen in quite some time I'll get your uh your thoughts Steve what was your thoughts on uh Smackdown this week with uh Jay Uso becoming the number one contender for Roman Reigns's universal title and Roman's promo with uh, Paul Heyman well, you know, so I, I did, did not watch it live. I only saw it in clips afterwards, but I do have a few thoughts. One is that we've seen that Paul Heyman for years has loved Roman Reigns. And every time Heyman has worked with Reigns as Lesnar's manager, Heyman is the one who always introduces into the storyline Reigns' lineage. Heyman sees the idea of him as a descendant of the Samoan royalty wrestling families as something that WWE should be playing up, not ignoring. 
And so mm-hmm. to me, I think Heyman's fingerprints are all over this storyline. So Reigns is, is the champion again, and his first challenger is Zeus, one of the cousins, <laughs> is here to challenge him. I think this is 100% a Heyman idea. And for that reason, I'm very excited to see where it goes because I think everything Paul Heyman touches is gold. Absolutely. It does It does have all the fingerprints. And he was a former manager of the, of the Wild Samoans. Like, no one got that connection until all this past week with uh, some of the stuff that went down. Chrissy, what were your thoughts on the big betrayal of uh, Sasha Banks with Bailey finally, be, finally betraying her best friend? I thought it would have been the other way around. But I like what they're doing with this. I thought it would have been Sasha totally against Bailey, but it's all good. I'm still with the storyline. SmackDown was great. Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns gave me goosebumps. That first Paul Heyman was screaming at us. He was talking very low, and I was like, like he's calling, he's like roasting people. He's calling shots, and it's really very quiet tone. It like I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it right now. It was so. <laughs> So good for Roman to be healed and then have Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece. And then he even talked afterwards. I was like, okay, he's just going to stand there and just look mean. Doesn't even matter. Then he spoke. And I was like, this is actually who, like you said, Paul Heyman, that is genius. He has written all of it and then have his Kim go against his cousin. Because he was like, what you think about this? That whole little backstage interaction that they had? Great. I, I thought the whole thing was phenomenal. I thought the episode, finally, you're getting better episodes. Whoever is doing them, keep it that way. Yes, I, I love the Paul Heyman promo. And just Paul Heyman making sure we knew that Roman is in control here. Roman was the one that hired me. Like, I'm not his advocate. I'm his special consultant. I love the <laughs> difference between the, the Roman and Heyman and Heyman and Brock. It was very unique, and I love that part about SmackDown. And oh, definitely, mannerism is all different, too. Like, he's not, he's different. He's totally different than when he was with Brock. I love it. Keep it, it's, it's beautiful. And definitely love the betrayal of Bailey. And I like the fact that it's different from what we've gotten in the past. We've yeah. seen Sasha in the heel role before, Bailey being in the heel, and the way Bailey has been performing as a heel. I just think this is going to work a lot better, especially on the main roster. And I just hope that they don't rush Sasha back, that they bring her back for the Royal Rumble, and we can get this at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope I'm not alone with that one. <laughs> Over- agreed, agreed, totally agreed. Let's, let's, let's keep it, let's, let's build on to this like they're going to end in that that package that they show us the package that they show us from all of this keep it this way (laughs) i swear the gods please listen please listen (laughs) three years in the making it would be beautiful over on Monday Night Raw, we had Drew McIntyre returning to get revenge on Randy Orton with three Claymore kicks. We had Cedric Alexander turning heel, joining the Hurt Business. We had Retribution, uh, Aces and Five Eights, cut their first uh, promo and uh, have their mission statement. And it's rumored to be Mercedes Martinez and Dominic Dijakovic speaking for them on Raw with Mojo Rally was also there as a part of the Retribution. SmackDown Tag Team Champion Cesaro Nakamura challenge uh, the Street Profits to a champion versus champions match next week and the Mysterials beat Bloody Murphy like a pinata. That's how we ended Monday Night Raw. Uh, we ask every single guest uh, that we bring on True Hill Heat about this group called Retribution. So Steve, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts been on this new mysterious group in WWE? The jury is still out. Um, 
like anything, you've got to see what they do with it. I don't have great faith in it. I honestly think that when the ratings were terrible six weeks ago, they decided, well, we need to debut a faction. Well, who are they going to be? I don't know. Let's put them all in black hoods and pants. What are they going to do? I don't know. Break some stuff. All right, great. We'll figure it out later. And I don't know that they've figured it out yet. I, I want to think that there's going to be this brilliant long-term storyline like the reveal of Kane in 1997, but I honestly think they're making it up as they go, and um, I don't have great confidence in the outcome. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all, especially for what we've seen so far. Another stable, like we said before, that uh, got boosted in their numbers. Cedric Alexander turning heel and joining the Hurt Business. I know our Stat King doesn't watch much of WWE. He's focused on Impact Wrestling and AEW. But what's your thoughts on Cedric joining the Hurt Business or the and the overall picture of the Hurt Business with MVP, Bobby Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin? I want to see what the goal is mm. i don't see a, like i get I, I i guess maybe okay yeah they, they've gotten the uh, the united states championship so they've accomplished one thing but i want to see where what exactly is their stated goal and then on top of that if they're hurt business and then there's a faction called retribution does that mean this they gotta fight each other like how like what exactly is 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 that is that whole thing gonna how is that all gonna go down especially because you they're not really going to be able to go for tag titles in the interim because it seems as though they're kind of maybe building towards a champion versus champion, maybe unification. I don't know if that's the plan or, or, or what exactly that is. So it, it, it leaves a lot to be desired to see what is the direction for uh, Hurt Business and Retribution. And Steve bringing up, uh, you know, six weeks ago, that just made me think of something. Was this, was Retribution, because again, I don't really watch that much, uh, was Retribution debut while Heyman was still in charge of Raw? Or no. 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 Okay, no. so then maybe, so then, so then maybe to, to your point about, hey, we need to do something, uh, when, when they, when they sent Heyman, uh, pack into SmackDown and removed him as a, as, as creative, they tossed out whatever his ideas were and they were just like, we need to come up with something, let's just come up with this, not realizing that you need to actually, have a storyline for TV time in place. So yeah, with the, the with the hurt business, I mean, Cedric Alexander. I don't think he's ever been healed before in WWE. So this, I mean, it's a it's a good turn for him. Uh, so see how that how that works out. It's very interesting times. A report that came out from our good friend uh, Gary Cassidy of Sports Kita was that uh, Vince did not even read the Raw script until he was on a plane on his way to Orlando, Florida. And they, they, we had no announced matches for Monday Night Raw until about an hour before yeah. the show. Um, the main event, like I said, was the Mysterios. Well, it was really Dominic Mysterio versus Murphy and the Mysterios beating Murphy like a pinata. What's your thoughts, uh, Chrissy? We had a great discussion about Keith Lee and his push on Monday Night Raw. But Keith Lee has kind of not gotten as much of a push yeah. as Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio has gotten more of a light than Keith Lee. What's your thoughts on Dominic getting the main event this week? First of all, I hate his ring gear. That's number one. Um, <laughs> I think, I think wide, yeah. Uh, thank you. Okay, so I thought it was just me. I think now, it's now I need to find a picture of this. <laughs> yeah, please, John. Well, no, John, you don't want to see it because it's ugly. Um, <laughs> and then I think it's getting worse week by week, to be honest. I think he had a different color on the other the other day. It's just it's horrible. I don't like it at all. Um, he does the frog splash, mediocre-ish. Um, 
I, I don't I don't understand the push for him. Um, I'm uh, um, I'm happy Murphy is getting more shine. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't understand the whole Dominic like thing. Getting, seems like he's getting shiners, not shine, but. Well, yeah, I mean, that happened because he was a piñata the other day. That's the only thing. <laughs> but um, I, I don't, I don't. Where is it going to go? Like, is he like is he in the talks of like going to get a a belt? Like, is he this a foreseeable future? Like, he's going to go higher than he is now? Like, he's just going to get a tag with his dad? Are they going to still keep look, keep looking for revenge? I don't know. Wait, what is he wearing? See, see. <laughs> Well, I something we didn't mention oh, on the last God. episode was that Ray got a uh, shoulder injury, a bicep injury from uh, the match at Payback. So he's going to be out for a number of weeks. So Dominic is pretty much getting the push that Ray was going to get now that he's re-signed with WWE. I think it's more or less that's the, the whole story there. But the last thing what we missed was Impact Wrestling. Uh, Eric Young defeated Tommy Dreamer. And then Rich Swan made his return to Impact Wrestling to try to get Revenge on EY, so we see that uh, feud coming to fruition right now. Motor City Machine Guns with with Steve's good friend Alex Shelley. They defeated another one of Steve's friends, uh, the Rascals, to defend the Impact Tag Team Titles. And then both teams were attacked by Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, and the North, only for the Good Brothers to make the save. Uh, what's your thoughts? I'll start with you, Stad King, since you are the Impact expert here. What was your thoughts on uh, Rich Swan's? Uh, return. I like it. Uh, I mean, I've said on Dark Power, we don't really have confirmation. We've never had a full confirmation that he's actually retired. It always kind of looked like a kayfabe retirement. Uh, <laughs> so for him to be coming back, it kind of puts into motion what a plan might be. And uh, I think Rich Swan versus Eric Young at Bound for Glory sounds really, really good. Um, they still have, it's October 24th, if I remember right, so they have yeah. about two months, about, no, maybe about a month and a half of time to, to build out the match, if that's where they want to go. A part of me almost wants uh, Eddie Edwards to get his rematch at Bound for Glory, and then to have them, because usually they, the Hard to Kill was in January, to have them start off 2021 with Rich Swan winning the belt at the championship at a pay-per-view like Hard to Kill because the name in and of itself just seems fitting for the storyline that they've built. But if they w if they want to do it at Bound for Glory because that's their that's their their marquee pay-per-view of the year, that would be perfect perfectly uh, great too. Either way, I think that's a really solid feud and a solid match for us to see down the road with Swan versus Eric Young. So, Steve, like I said, you're good friends with the Rascals. You're like an advocate for them. We did our Friday Night Lights uh, preview. I would, say, I would say, yeah, yeah, you're one of the bigger fans for the Rascals. But uh, to me, like, I was thinking about it as I'm watching this match with the Motor City Machine Guns. I remember, like, a year and a half ago when uh, the LAX seemed like they were out the door of Impact Wrestling. I was like, the Rascals is the perfect team to move to the titles to. But then the North came in, had their long run, and then the Rascals lose here in their title match when are the rascals gonna finally win that impact tag team titles and what do you think is the thing that's stopping them from making that that one obstacle leap booking um, <laughs> <laughs> you know i, I think I, i'm not inside the head of scott demore and of don callis and and they're both good guys i've met him worked with them with a couple small things that we've done um I think I just look at talent 
um, somewhat differently than they do. And I look at their talent pool somewhat differently than they do. And I like a lot of the people at Impact in front of the camera and behind the camera. But I feel like Don Callis came of age in the 90s in WWE and, and ECW. Yeah. Scott Demore really you know, came of age, so to speak, in early 2000s, mid-2000s TNA. And that is so much of what we're getting in 2020 Impact. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you're sitting on a nuclear goldmine of talent like the Rascals, like Chris Bay, who should be your headliners right now, and like Ace Austin. And I don't see the vision, to be honest with you. If I were running Impact, I would have the Rascals in trios matches every few weeks and just build up to them and let them go nuts. I would have Chris Bay all over the program and have Ace Austin all over the program. I like what they're doing with Rich Swan. I don't understand what they're doing with Eric Young. No knock to EY, but I, I don't get it. It doesn't appeal to me. So I don't know when the Rascals are going to win the tag titles. And if it was me, it would have been yesterday. It would have been a lot of yesterdays ago. I, I could totally agree there. I thought before Slammiversary that Ace Austin was on his way to winning, becoming the youngest uh, Impact World title. And he seems to have like taken steps back into like the tag team division, teaming up with Madman Fulton. And they make a, a really good team, but I just feel like Ace Austin is a guy that you should be building up as one of those future world champions. And I feel like he's taken kind of steps back since the uh, build to Slammiversary. So I could totally agree with you there. He's one of the guys that they should be building around the but, problem the, the, the problem with the impact tag titles is you can already see that once the north gets it back it's gonna go to the good brothers and you're just like well then where are the other teams in that mix if you are going to put ace and and, uh, and and fulton in the mix as a team they you need to give like have at least them look like they're going to have a legitimate shot at winning those titles and the rascals they keep having they they're you can understand, hey, the first time around, you didn't know who your opponents were going to be. Motor City Machine Gun stuns you. This time, you have the week to prepare, and you're still not able to, they're still not able to win. So the question then is, what do the Rascals need to do? And you can, you can see, based off the teams they have, they're, they're going to be waiting for a little while, a little while more, it seems. Yeah, like, I want them to have trios titles at this point. Maybe the Rascals can get <laughs> no. that. <laughs> it sounds like an episode of Game of Thrones, like the North, we're going to the Lannisters, we're going down to King's Landing. <laughs> sounds a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of that in Impact, apparently. <laughs> but we gotta also talk about our top news, and our top news once again has to do with the WWE and a new edict from WWE as they banned the use of third-party platforms for their superstars. WWE has reportedly put their foot down on talent engaging on third-party platforms such as YouTube and Twitch. PW Insider and Wrestling Eek reported that an email was sent out last Thursday to all talent that WWE is reinventing their product and want to limit talent uh, engaging on third-party platforms. The email stated, and I quote, some of you are engaged with uh, outside third parties using your name and likeness in ways that are detrimental to our company. It is imperative that these activities be terminated within the next 30 days by Friday, October 2nd. Continued violations will resort to fines, suspensions, or termination of 
of WWE's discretion. The vague wording of the email uh, concerned a lot of talent who were using these platforms to make extra revenue during the pandemic to offset the loss of uh, of money due to WWE uh, halting live events. It was all uh, first reported that WWE also said that they own talent's real names, but uh, this was later by Fightful Select reported that this was not stated to the talent. This was something that Mark Carano, uh, who is the head of talent relations, said in passing, but is not true apparently. And some have taken to changing their usernames on YouTube and Twitch to fulfill WWE's requirements for use on these platforms. Due to the controversy, WWE had held a talent meeting before Raw to clarify things and released a statement saying, and I quote, much like Disney and Warner Brothers, WWE creates, promotes, and invests its intellectual properties, i.e. the stage names of performers like The Fiend Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Big E, and Braun Strowman. It is the control and uh, exploitation of these characters that allows WWE to drive revenue, which in turn enables the company to compensate performers at the highest levels in the sports entertainment industry. Notwithstanding the contractual language, it is imperative for the success of our company to protect our greatest assets and establish partnerships with third parties on a company-wide basis rather than the individual level which as a result will provide more value for our all involved so a lot has been said about this uh we'll talk about later aj styles mentioned it on his twitch feed and uh people such as page have changed to their real name on twitch platforms as well as me and yim changed her username on the twitch platform as well I will start with you, Steve. What is your thoughts on this new edict from WWE? So professional wrestling is interesting in that, and this is often why I talk about why I love it and why it's one of the greatest forms of live entertainment. If a kid loves Batman, they can watch a Batman movie or cartoon. They can read a Batman comic book, but they can't actually go slap Batman's hand. There might be a guy playing Batman at Universal Studios, but Batman does not exist. Whereas if a kid loves John Cena, John Cena exists. The kid can go meet the actual John Cena. And so in that way, wrestling is interesting. It's not quite fiction. It's not quite sports. It's somewhere in between, whereas the person is the living embodiment of that character. So with that in mind, you have this argument over who owns that. And WWE would argue that they own that middle ground, that Roman Reigns, for example, is WWE's property. So, it, according to Mark Carano, is Joseph Anawahi. And anytime he does anything, they should profit off of that. Now, some could also argue it's like a sport. And they're free to do, you know, you own them when they're on the field, so to speak. But they're free to do whatever the heck they want the moment the game or the practice is over. And it all depends on what they signed. And it all depends on what's enforceable and what they signed. You know, I, I don't think WWE should be able to control this for talents. However... If they signed a binding contract that gave WWE the right to do this, then they don't have a leg to stand on. And so it really comes back to what did they sign. And frankly, if you're a talent, you need to be very careful with what you sign. And if WWE says you need to sign it this way or you're not coming to WWE, you need to think long and hard about whether you want to do that or not. At the end of the day, no one can force you to join WWE. You don't have to sign it if you don't want to. But if you signed it, you've got to live up to what you signed. So I don't know what's in their deals. If their deals say that they have to give over these likenesses, then I think they're stuck. But if their deals don't say that, then they have every right to fight it. 
Yeah, it's, it's a crazy kind of edict that WWE has put down here. I know uh, U.S. presidential candidate Andrew Yang spoke out about this and, like, wow. talked about talked about how like confusing it is because you know wwe is saying they own their likeness um you know some of the miscommunications said that wwe own their real names but these are independent contractors so are they employees where you can own that type of stuff or are they independent contractors that can make money off their likeness so it's very confusing times and andrew yang kind of called wwe out on that he actually did an interview with chris van vliet which is definitely worth uh watching to kind of get his full thoughts on this but uh chrissy love will go to you do you believe this will uh cause talent to seek other opportunities outside of wwe and not resign when their contracts are up um like steve said it, it comes down to what you signed and who your lawyers are and if it's something like your name like he said like john cena doesn't john cena own his name i would think so maybe or maybe it's just more of a wwe thing where they have all the john cena right it's kind of it's very confusing and it's very like What's the word I want to say? Uh, misleading? I want maybe is, is that a good word? Probably. Yeah. It's, it's misleading where you you tell like you said they're they're independent contractors when it's convenient for you, but when something is wrong and y'all don't like it, then you guys got you put a, a stop to it. You know, you understand what we're you know, if that makes sense? It's like you you, you make us be independent. We pay our own insurance, all other stuff. Like we have to do all that because we're independent. But our names and everything else belongs to you. It's, it's so misguided, it's, it's misleading, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that people probably will look and say, hey, maybe I need to go back and look at certain things and see what it is I signed or what I signed it so long ago, I didn't even know what I signed. Like, they're just happy to have this job and to do something that they dreamed of doing. So it's, it's very misleading, and probably if some people can't have the rights to their name, they probably might keep, you know, other, you know, employment and once there's this stuff is over who knows it, it would be very sad and unfortunate and it's, it's shame on them to do such a, such a low blow to people you know that's been at their company you know what i'm saying so it's 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 very strange i know aew uh poked fun at this with uh kip sabian promoting his twitch at all out and then a disclaimer came up approved by all elite wrestling so it does like open the door for you know people that are have expiring contracts if you want to make outside revenue outside of wherever company you're working for maybe you make the jump to new japan pro wrestling or aew or impact wrestling or go back to the indies because you can make money from other outlets besides your wrestling promotion do you believe that wwe will stand by this new edict if it causes direct consequences in terms of signing talent i think this is a great question for our resident true heel lawyer uh stat king take it away um yes i so okay so steve's absolutely correct if you sign a contract you are signing it with the implication that you understand the terms of the contract always have a lawyer read over your contracts i'm not saying that because of a lawyer i'm saying that just because it makes good sense um i think it will it has to affect future signings down the road because those talents now know what wwe is going to do and what they are going to ask of them in those contracts at maybe at the time when somebody has a contract put in front of them, they may not know, they may not realize that this is standard for WWE. Maybe, you know, they have somebody who is a friend 
who is now currently signed, and they talk to that person, that person says, yes, this is what I signed as well, and they feel more comfortable signing it, whatever the case may be. But we have seen over time a slow march towards more autonomy and more control in the hands of the talent. For example, nobody thought back in the day that CM Punk would be able to sign as CM Punk and that he would have, that they would continue to use the name. But he, during the course of his, for the duration of his time in WWE, he gave them, they, like, he had, they had control over the name. Whereas with Down the Road, you see the evolution, when AJ Styles signed with WWE, he was signing through, if I, if, from what I understand, he was signing through like an LLC corporation that he owns called, and that's why his Twitter handle is AJ Styles Org. And he is licensing, as part, of, as part of his contract, he signed a licensing agreement that licenses the AJ Styles name, certain, you know, certain uh, trademarks, uh, word marks, all, that's, all that kind of imagery and things to WWE for the duration of the contract. However, he is the one who owns it. So you don't have a situation where if AJ Styles, at, at the end of his contract, uh, he lets it expire, he goes to somewhere else, he can no longer call himself AJ Styles. He will always be able to call himself AJ Styles because he is the ultimate owner. So I think what this will do is it will encourage more wrestlers to trademark their names when it comes with yeah. their, their their ring names to yeah. have better knowledge. And the thing is, a lot of this knowledge is it's out there for free. It's not like you don't need to go to law school to get to get a lot of this. Uh, it, it's it's readily available on the internet. But putting it into practice is going to be something that these guys and girls are going to be getting better at and it's going to be incumbent on wwe to understand hey you know because of what the, because of the situation cats out of the bag we now have to either be more creative when it comes to the the language in in these contracts and how we're going to write them or we need to understand that our control is going to be a lot less and if and then this also goes back to at least in my perspective in my view them misusing uh, the 1099 independent contractor rules and laws when it comes to their talent. If you, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as short as I can because I can, I can go on this for a, a long period of time. But long story short is that there are rules and regulations that govern how a company is able to control the contract contractors that work for them. WWE pushes that to the limit they combine extreme rules and over the limit to just it, pushing it to the extreme <laughs> limit of what of what the law can handle and for the most part nobody has ever really challenged them on this either through the courts or through legislative yeah. process okay. and because i mean as as big as people think wwe is and it is big it's a global juggernaut it is the largest when it comes to market share it owns it but in the grand scheme of things they're not that large of a company so mm -hmm. if other companies are following 1099 rules, it doesn't make sense for any any form of justice department, whether it's at a state level or, or, or federal level, or mm -hmm. legislatures to go after them. But yeah. if you have somebody like Andrew Yang, who is now getting more information and more knowledge about this and you know doesn't like it, or thinks as though there should be something that can be done, that's another thing that WWE's gonna have to keep in mind and say, hey, yeah. is, it, is it worth the fight? Is it worth the fight? Should we just take the hit? to our bottom line and say, we'll just let this go. Yeah, I, go ahead, Christy. And you, you know, Rusa, <laughs> when you leave somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm just going <laughs> to jump in as well and say, you know, when CM Punk left WWE in 2014, and there was that back and forth where they weren't going to let him go, they were, they weren't, they fired him on his wedding day, and then ultimately they, they released him from his contract. Um, I forget where I heard this from, what source, but I, the source I trusted, uh, the, the big breaking point there that them eventually agreeing to release him was that his lawyers were going hard at the independent contract status. And that if WWE felt like they were on shaky footing or might lose a lawsuit there, then you know what? They'd much rather just release him, give him a severance, yep. and be done with him. Yep. And that is, is truly, I mean, you know, not to get too much into politics in the world, the fact that Linda McMahon, who for a long time was the CEO of WWE, was straight up abusing labor practices by classifying people as independent contractors when they were treated as employees, and then mm -hmm. became the small business director of um, the United yeah. States of America, is oh. absolutely insane. But I agree, they have flown under the radar either because of political connections or because they're too small of a company to really be scrutinized. No, you know, the state of Illinois, the state of Connecticut, wherever, does not want to waste their legislature's time and money on prosecuting the WWE. Okay. But they have been straight up abusing this rule for a long time. Yes. And I think with AEW treating people well, I think we are getting closer and closer to this changing, to this dam breaking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely agree with everything you guys have said. It's it's just a very strange time, and it is very confusing to to understand WWE of why they're making this stance at this point when there is so much competition and so much eyes on them. It's just very strange of an edict to kind of put in place right now. I mean, well, that's the thing. I can I can understand it from a business perspective because let's let's take the uh, let's take the situation that people say was the straw that broke the camel's back with Lana and the Bang energy drinks. If WWE wants to now sign some kind of endorsement either with Bang or with a competitor to Bang, they're now banged in that spot and unable yeah. to do so because that contract that that business relationship with Lana exists. So from their perspective, I can totally understand why they're why they're why they're upset about it. If they, you know, like you could you could make an argument that uh, AJ's Twitch stream is a direct competitor with Up Up Down Down, and WWE owns WWE owns whether people realize it or not, they own and control Up Up Down Down. They're really? Not selling, yeah, they're not yeah. selling Up Up Down Down replica belts on WWE Shop because they like Xavier Woods. And, 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 and on top of this, the reason why I, I mean, okay, like one of the reasons why I stopped watching Up Up Down Down is because when they were doing the, uh, the, the season two of GM mode, they were, they put people into the game that were current WWE superstars. And then after the COVID releases, there was some data loss or something that happened. And all those people who were on the rosters, but were released during the COVID magically disappeared from the GM mode that Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze were playing. And when I saw that, I realized, no, you just, like, you're not talking about Jericho anymore. You're not talking about people that were released, like Rusev and so on and so forth. This is ultimately still a WWE-controlled product. And that, that's, that's, a, that, that's what really made me realize that, no. So, of course, if AJ is doing Twitch and Up Up Down Down exists, that's some form of competition. Why would they want AJ to get money dollars when it could it should be going to that 
So we got to move on, guys, but we got to talk about this week's WWE NXT with Super Tuesday Part 2, as well as the post-all-out AEW Dynamite. It is not the Wednesday Night War because, like I said, NXT was on Tuesday, AEW was on Wednesday, but we love to talk about the ratings, talk about both shows, and decide what was the better show for the week. Chrissy Love, you want to hit the drums while I give you the ratings. So, NXT Super Tuesday Part 2 finishes with 838,000 viewers. It's slightly down from last week's 849,000, but still one of the better ratings for NXT for the year. They got a 0.22 in the 18-49 uh, key demo, and this is another another uh, argument for the ongoing discussions of whether NXT should be on the same night as AEW, but AEW was unopposed on Wednesday night and they finish with 1.016 million viewers yes AEW went over wow. a million viewers for the first time in 2020 the first time since last year of the beginning episodes of AEW Dynamite for the post all out edition WWE NXT Super Tuesday Part 2 in a great opener had Finn Balor defeat Adam Cole to become the new NXT champion concluding that um, Iron Man match from the previous week. Honestly, I felt that this was a better match than the Iron Man match. It was yep. really awesome between both men. Rhea Ripley defeated Mercedes Martinez in a hard-hitting steel cage main event. Tegan Knotts and Candice LeRae had a dinner to talk over their differences. I'll, I'll let you guys talk about that one. Uh, Kushida returns to attack Velveteen Dream. Bronson Weed defeated Austin Theory. Io Shirai and Shotzi Blackheart take out the Robert Stoneburn and then have a face-to-face -face confrontation before they have a non-title match next week over on AEW Dynamite. The big news is Miro. Happy Miro Day. The artist formerly known as Rusev made his AEW debut as the best man of Kip Sabian for his wedding in a couple of weeks time uh, Brody Lee defeated Dustin Rhodes in a good main event to defend the TNT championship we had further development like Steve mentioned earlier of the breakup of the elite as Hangman Page and Kenny Omega both had sit down interviews with JR with Omega saying he is done with the tag team division and wants to be the guy that everybody thought he would be from day one Jurassic, De uh, Jurassic Express defeated Luchas Lucha Bros to earn a non-title match with FTR next week. Nyla Rose defeated the newly signed Tay Conte and then was confronted by Sheeta. John Moxley had a great promo as well as MJF ended his campaign and is deciding uh, of a plan B to get back on top. But what was the better show for the week? This week we will start with you, Miss Chrissy Love. Um, I am going to pick AEW only other than that, I would have picked because Finn Balor finally won. Okay, so. But um, apples to oranges, they had the better show. Let's just keep it 100. And the ratings just prove it and tell you it and why they won for the week. Um, the main event, I actually loved. I thought it was great. I thought for those two guys, I thought it was amazing to have them, these two big guys, have close out the show and they close it out very well. I knew Brody would win, of course, duh. But um, <laughs> I thought that was amazing. MJF promo, 
we, we, we called him last week. He's going to come up with some type of excuse and said why he lost and all this other stuff. Phenomenal. Great. I just thought the overall show was better than NXT. NXT, the opener, great. Loved it. And then I, I, I checked out in the middle, and then I, I saw the ending. That, that's, that's, that's me, to be honest. Not even going to, like, lie and say I saw the whole thing. I checked out, was watching the playoffs, and then I turned back. <laughs> Well, I, we appreciate your honesty always, Miss Chrissy Love. Uh, Principal Steve, what was your your thoughts, and what would you think was the better show for the week? You know, same exact response as she said. Um, I saw NXT in clips, and um, I've, I've been crazy busy this week as we have a show later on this weekend, and uh, so I did get to check out Dynamite. I thought it was a really strong show. Um, I agree about MJF. I think the finish of the MJF Moxley match at All Out was phenomenal because it allows MJF to blame Wardlow and to blame Moxley. So he kind of has two built-in complaints or two built-in feuds. Um, everything else I thought was exciting. I thought it was a great dynamite, and I'm happy for Finn Balor. This is going to sound jaded, maybe, but um, I was all aboard the Finn Balor train in 2014. It is 2020. I was all aboard the Finn Balor train when he came up and won the Universal title for a day in 2016. It is 2020. I think he's phenomenal. I think yes. that train has sailed. You know, nobody's walking around saying, oh my gosh, have you heard of this great new band called Maroon 5? Like, that, it, it's happened. Maroon 5 is legends, first of all. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> I love Finn Balor. But the ship has sailed. I think. I, I hope they prove me wrong. I I, I can't I can't say you're 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 wrong. I, I as much as I love 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 Finn Balor, something of what you're saying is true, and it's it's sad because when we had time to have this to sail, I mean the ship doing well and on the on the, the, the cruise line, we we could have had it rolling, but mm -hmm. now that the, the, the ship is sailing in a way and it went in the sunset, no one is like okay yay. I think I was the only person that was excited and happy. Um, but hey, let's see what happens. And yeah, yeah you, you make a great point, Steve, because even when Finn Balor came back to NXT, that would have been also a good time to kind of put the yes. title back on him. Like this this whole this whole Iron Man match and then this week, it just feels like we, this is something that wasn't planned because it wasn't. Karrion Cross was supposed to be the NXT champion right now, but because of injury, that's the only reason Finn Balor is getting this. So, yes, it kind of feels like rehashed of something that's already happened. That was great when it happened, but it's like a remake. It's like a reboot in Hollywood. As you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles going to come out again. I saw it in 1990. It was great, but in 2020, uh, so <laughs> just that King, what was your thoughts? What was the better show for the week? Uh, well, I, again, I don't, I don't watch WWE programming anymore, so uh, it's difficult for me to to rate this. Uh, but I will say that I watched the clips from YouTube of the NXT show, and I like. I, I will say that I like that that Shotzi Blackheart is starting to rise up more and more the ranks of the women's division in NXT. That's something I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about. And um, I will say that <laughs> I will say that uh, Finn, 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 Balor, Finn Balor winning is is good. But again, yeah, he's not winning this title unless unless Killer Cross, uh, Karrion Cross is uh, his injury. The same way that you could say that Kevin Owens doesn't get his Universal Championship unless Finn Balor gets his shoulder injury uh, yeah. back in the day. So yeah, I mean, 
they 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 made the right call with who won the match out of the four. Ultimately, who won the match out of the four people involved. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how NXT NXT builds this going forward. I, I got to agree with you guys. I saw both shows this week, but N- NXT was was a solid. It was a very solid show. Had a excellent opener with uh, Adam Cole and Finn Balor. Like I said, it was better than the Iron Man match last week. Uh, the main event with Rhea Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez, it was hard hitting. It was the battle of the badasses as they promoted the whole night, and Rhea Ripley looked great in victory. I also, I also really enjoyed Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory. I thought that was a really really good matchup Austin Theory hey Austin Austin Theory made some mistakes we're not going to get into that we went into that in our speaking out movement episode so we won't get into it on this one but this was was a very strong matchup Um, but other than that it really wasn't much happening on NXT AEW was the more newsworthy show it was the more exciting show and on a show that was very promo heavy all the promos hit in their certain ways, like Hangman playing the millennial cowboy who's sad, who who feel who's who. All this time he hasn't been saying anything, but now he finally admits it's his fault that he lost his two best friends in the Young Bucks. It's his fault that he trusted FTR. It's his fault that he lost the tag team titles, and he. And like he said, him and Kenny Omega have been the best tag team in AEW this year. They've been they had one loss the entire year, and that one loss was at all out. So they're still the top team. But Kenny Omega is just like, no, I dedicated a year to the tag team division. I'm over that. And I love the just the position in the two guys. And that was like a great follow-up to the uh the further development of this breakup of the elite, especially with the young bucks also super kicking uh, uh Alex Marvez out of out of uh, their locker room was a very nice touch as well i love the john moxie promo love the lance archer promo love the mjf promo miro uh, i enjoyed him i enjoyed him coming out he put a smile on my face but i would have i would have liked it if he didn't have the prototypical fwwb yeah. promo yeah. that that yep. would if he would have just focused on being the best man and his connections with with Kip and why it made sense because we said it on our roundtable for All Out. He was the top guy that made sense because not only does he have experience with weddings, he just came off of a big angle with the wedding last year that was one of the highest rated segments in Monday Night Raw of 2019, but he has experience being a twitcher along with Kip Sabian. So those two connections made him the perfect person to be the best man and it was a nice position for him to come into i don't know if that's going to be his future because he just seems like the perfect guy to be a baby face for aew and that response that he got from the limited fans in attendance kind of proved that but aew was just the more newsworthy show it was the better show i love dustin rose versus Brody lee that was a great main event and i just this was one of my favorite episodes of dynamite the whole year so i definitely got to give it to uh aew this week the only thing, the only thing I wasn't that big of a fan of was that I get that Jurassic Express needed the win because of what's going to happen later in the show with FTR and setting them up for a non-title match the week after. I just wish it hadn't had to come at the expense of the Lucha Bros because they right. seem to be they right. seem to be they seem to be like floundering a little bit. And then you paired them with Butcher Blade and then Eddie Kingston, but then as a as a fivesome, they they still seem to be 
kind of floundering a little bit, and I I, I want to know where that where that's going, where that's where that's building towards. I, and, I uh, felt I felt like they the the whole them losing led to the Eddie Kingston promo, and we don't get that Eddie Kingston promo without them losing. So yeah, there was a true. purpose. Yeah. There was a yeah. purpose to them losing, and we know with AEW, they're they're not like other companies where they're gonna do something and it's not gonna mean anything. I think this whole dis disruption between the Lucha Bros is going to lead to something, and I think that. You know, although they have been floundering as a team, maybe the best thing for for the Lucha Bros is to be separated, as we saw in Lucha Underground. Pentagon can be a great top heel, and Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the ring in any yeah. company. So maybe the best thing for them is to be separated. So maybe this was just a tease of what's to come. And as and as somebody who has set, had said, said it since the beginning of the storyline with QT Marshall and Ali, the fact that Eddie Kingston asked uh, Braxton Sutter, the Blade, "Where's your wife?" Just that, that was a great touch for me. I, I was like, "Why is Ali with QT Marshall? We know she's we know she's married. What is? I don't understand this." But yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm I also agree. I'm also hoping we get Pac versus Eddie Kingston. I would love. Yes, that. where's oh. where's the English guy? Where's the British guy? He's not here for you. <laughs> I think we are headed so one of my baffling moments baffling points with AEW has long been their use of Pentagon and Phoenix because I, we've used Pentagon and Phoenix in our shows many times we like them very much personally I think they're the best performers in the world I think Pentagon is the best at charisma and presence in the world I think yeah. Phoenix is the most spectacular wrestler in the world and AEW has just kind of used them as jobbers to the stars a little bit and I don't know if it's just AEW is so focused on American style that they haven't figured out how to push two true luchadors yet. I don't know if it's because Pentagon and Phoenix might not be under a full exclusive contract because I know they're, they're just kind of independent dudes. Um, but I think my hunch with this is that they figured out, well, we can't put Pentagon and Phoenix over all of our regular teams, but we want to feature them. What the heck do we do? You know what we do? We start a long storyline where eventually they're going to face each other on full gear. And I will sign me up for that any day of the week. I will watch that match. I, I saw it live at WrestleCon, uh, WrestleMania 35 weekend, and they only got eight minutes. It was one of the best eight-minute matches I've ever seen, and I want I want Penta versus Phoenix in AEW. That would be magic. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got to move on for the rest of the news. I'll run through WWE announces that they are doing more cutbacks, including the firing of Gerald Briscoe after 38 years with the company and being responsible for the recruitment of such stars as Brock Lesnar. This is quite the loss for WWE. This was just announced early on Thursday. Also, AOP were released from the WWE contracts. Also, Wrestling Observer reported that Rezar of AOP was cleared for action prior to their release, and WWE wanted to place Paul Ellering back with the team months back, but unfortunately they have been let go, so we wish them uh, Gerald Briscoe and AOP best of luck in their future, whatever it is. Gerald Briscoe, after 38 years with WWE, deserves to have like a great retirement. He's done yeah. so much great work for them. AJ Styles commented on WWE's ban of the third-party platforms that we spoke about earlier, saying that he will continue his Twitch feed under changes as well as the reasons why he admitted to testing positive for the 
uh, a coronavirus and to help others concerns because he just felt like it was um, something that needed to be said on that platform. WWE announces that their concussion lawsuit, so this is very similar to the third party plan because uh, such stars as Viscera and others have had this lawsuit going on for years, was dimi- was dismissed for the, by the Court of uh, Appeals this week. Xavier Woods, speaking of Up Up Down Down, uh, have opened up their own merchandise store with products made by our good friends at Nerds Clothing. So congratulations to Up Up Down Down and Nerds Clothing on that. WWE PC is being remodeled with classes back in session. WWE have also have a city in mind for the Royal Rumble 2020, but are still looking are still working out details in regards to having live fans back in the building. Ivar of the Viking Raiders suffered a stinger, uh, causing a cervical I- injury during his match on Monday Night Raw, so we're hoping the best for him. Former WWE superstar Eve, Eva, uh, Eve Torres and her husband, Renard Gracie, tested positive for the Steve Carino virus I have wrote down here. That's spell check for you. Um, WWE, <laughs> WWE edits uh, WXW shows to remove uh, individuals involved in the Speaking Out movement. And Renee Young, non-compete clause, is said to be one year long, as reported by her in a, in a recent interview. So, Stag King, what's your thoughts on uh, Renee Young having a one-year-long non-compete clause? I think that it shows how much WWE valued her from a business standpoint and how important she was to them from a business standpoint. And it shows how much they messed up when it came to allowing her to leave the building. Because if that is the level of, like, no, uh, talents not, normal talents uh, not compete is, what, 90 days? So yeah. if hers is a year, 365 days, that's huge. That, that's incredible. I mean, I would assume that if, uh, let's say it was a Seth Rollins type of person, it would also be somewhere in that same vein uh, of, of duration. But one year, that, that just, it goes to show how, how much of a legit, how much legitimacy she was able to bring to the backstage interviewing process, to how just all of that was run and handled, and some of the stuff she did on the network, as well as the pre-show panels and the kickoff and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's 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 just incredible, and I, I kind of feel bad for her because uh, I mean you've got to sit on the sidelines. You can't really because I mean the way most non-competes work is you can't do anything that's in a similar vein to the work that you were doing before. So WWE could argue a wide latitude when it comes to that because it's not just commentating, it's also interviewing and things like that. Uh, And then the other thing that I would say is it's kind of an interesting reversal of what Samoa Joe said that one time where uh, her husband uh, is just sitting at home eating off of her and now it's, you know, she's being put in 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 a similar position. It's funny how things turn around. Uh, AEW News, uh, Tay Conte, as well as Miro, as we mentioned earlier, are the latest signees for AEW. Miro's contract is one year long with an option for a second year for a higher price. Miro denies that Lana had anything to do with WWE's edict on third parties, and he tells uh, our Uncle Dave Meltzer to burn in hell for uh, making that accusation. Uh, Both Matt 
Seidel and Darby Allen are doing okay after scary spots and botches for the two in the Casino Battle Royal at All Out. AEW also announces that John Moxley will defend the AEW World Championship against Lance Archer on the one-year uh, anniversary show for Dynamite on October 14th. Tony Khan says that the third hour on TNT uh, that AEW got in their suspension earlier this year will not be dark and will premiere within the next year. And in Thunder Rosa news, the NWA World Women's Champion will defend her title next week on Dynamite uh, against Ivelisse. And also, she admits that WWE offered her a tryout as a referee last September, which she declined, wanting to continue to wrestle. As you said before, you've worked with Thunder Rosa before, Steve. What's your thoughts on WWE offering her a job as a referee and not a wrestler? You know, it's interesting. I think WWE has a very up-and-down history of talent evaluation. And there are some talents, and that's true of anybody, right? So WCW let go of Mick Foley and Steve Austin, and they became Mick Foley and Steve Austin. And earlier, The Undertaker and Triple H, etc. So I think there is a lot that goes into that. And it's very easy for any of us to say, oh, this person is great, and so-and-so passed on them years before. Isn't so-and-so so stupid? But the reality is there's a hundred factors that go into things, right? So maybe Thunder Rosa was part of a camp with 40 other women, and she had an off day. And at that time, they said, you know what? We don't see it as a star, but we are looking for athletic female referees. And so... I don't want to call it a slight against WWE until I know all the context of, of what happened there. But um, but they have been up and down with talent scouting. And I think part of that is because the way they scout talents through these camps and things is not seeing people in their natural environments. Uh, you know, I think WWE needs to do more of what they've done when it's been very successful in scouting talents, which is when William Regal has gone to PWG and stood in the back and watched and signed everyone that became NXT. I think WWE needs to be much more present on the indie scene because had they seen Thunder Rosa in freelance wrestling in the Logan Square Auditorium in Chicago, they damn well would have signed her in a heartbeat. So maybe they saw her in a camp and she didn't do it for them in one of their camps. So I think it's not necessarily an indictment of a mistake they made then because maybe she didn't stand out that day. But I think it might be an indictment of the way they look for talent. They need to be out in the indies seeing wrestlers in their natural habitat. That's a great way to explain it. And yeah, I, you just had to not see Thunder Rosa in the right place to kind of not offer her a job as a wrestler because she's one of the best female wrestlers in the game right now. Uh, New Japan News, the finals of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles Tournament is going to be this weekend as LIJ of Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi will vs. Suzuki Guns, uh, Kanemaru, and El Desperado on the final night of New Japan Road to determine the new champions. And in the bigger news, New Japan announces the participants and blocks for the G130, uh, which kicks off on September 19th. We will have a full preview of the G1 next week on True Hill Heat 92 but the A block will have Kota Ibushi as our, our stat king has the t-shirt for the Gutter Than Lovers right there Jeff Cobb, Kazuka Okada Tomohiro Hishii Will Ospreay will make his return to New Japan uh, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki Taishi, Switchblade Jay White and Yujiro Takahashi this A block is one of the greatest blocks in 
G1 history, period. You just imagine Obushi versus Okada in the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom, Ishii versus Shingo Takagi in another rematch, Osprey versus Shingo in the Best of the Super Juniors rematch. Suzuki has been having one of the best years of anybody, so this block is just stacked ridiculous. B block is not as stacked, but definitely has some good performers. Hiroshi Tadahashi, Juice Robinson, Hiroku, Hiroki Goto, uh, Toriyano, Yoshihashi, Tensuyo Naito, Sanada, Zack Sabre Jr., Evil, and Kenta. Uh, Stag King, I know you said this is stacked. What's your thoughts on uh, the G1 participants? I am super excited that Osprey and White and Kenta will be back. That is, for me, like the one thing, even before I started thinking of who, like what the matchups are, what the rematches that we're going to see, and all that, which is amazing in and of itself, is just the fact that those three guys are going to be able to get back in the ring in Japan, being able to do what they're doing, and it's going to take, I mean, as we were talking about it uh, last week, it's going to take some of the burden off of evil of being that evil, of being the, uh, you know, that, that top heel that Bullet Club has to offer because he's going to have backup now when it comes to Switchblade and Kenta. Jay White's going to, and, you know, we don't know. Maybe there's going to be some kind of tension between evil and Jay White saying, hey, you know, I was holding this down while you were uh, away. You know, I think maybe I should be, maybe I should be the leader now or something to that effect. And then you could also say, well, then Kenta might get involved and say, well, you know, it could be me too, guys. Like, you never know. I could put people to sleep. So uh, it, it'll, that, that just the, 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 the opportunity that that's being created just by having these guys back is incredible. And maybe, as we were talking about earlier in AEW, if Osprey is able to leave England, maybe that means Pac is able to also. Hey, we will, we will see for sure. But yes, we're very glad all those talents is uh, back in the in the G one and back with New Japan for sure. This 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 tournament is still gonna be that month long thing. <laughs> yes, it's it's from September nineteenth <laughs> to October eighteenth, Chrissy Love. But we will talk about it for sure next week to annoy you. Uh, our, <laughs> oh, wow, that's such a strong word. <laughs> Wow. ROH News, ROH announces another bracket for another tournament, pure title tournament for them. Their A block is going to have Jade Lethal versus Dalton Castle, David Finley versus Rocky Romero, Silas Young versus Fred Yehi, uh, Tracy Williams versus Russ Taylor in the B block. They will have Jonathan Grisham versus Wheeler Utah, uh, Delirious versus Matt Seidel, Josh Woods versus Kenny King, and PJ Black versus Tony Deppin. Any prediction for who you think is going to be the pure title champion, uh, Steve? I think it's got to be Gresham. I think Gresham is the epitome of technical wrestling. Now, full disclosure, we have Gresham on our second show uh, 10 days from now on the 19th, and, and for a very good reason. And so he's facing Alex Shelley in a, in a dream rematch for us. Nice. Um, but Gresham, I think, is the epitome of catch, hook, and shoot wrestling right now. He really is uh, the octopus. And I know he's one of the main stars and mainstays of Ring of Honor. So if I'm Ring of Honor, I build around my guy. Instead of a, a quick upset or somebody, you build around your guy and you reestablish this title. Because remember, this title hasn't been in, in defense in ROH in, what, 15 years, 13 years? So yeah. I think you put it on Jonathan Gresham, and I think Gresham holds it for a year, and you make it something special. You make the title an attraction. 
Love to see that for sure. Alternates for the title is going to be uh, Dirk uh, Draper and Brian Johnson. Other wrestling news, we got MLW announces the restart and coming to November, and they will join the Wednesday Night War, but they will be before AEW and NXT. 7 p.m. on FUBU Sports on Wednesdays will be MLW. A new 10 Pounds of Gold series uh, is already up with Nick Aldis versus Matt uh, Mike Bennett for next Tuesday. UWN primetime live event. Uh, this card is is very much is a very good one. We also going to see West Coast uh, Pro Championship match with Alex uh, Alexander Hammerstone defending against uh, L Sparks EJ Sparks. Excuse me. UWN TV champion is going to be uh, Dan Joseph versus Levi Shapiro. Camille is going to go one on one with Heather Monroe. Chris Dick uh, Dickinson is going to verse uh, Mystery Opponent. We'll have Will All Day versus Jordan uh, Clearwater, and the tribe will go will go up against the Wolf Zaddies, uh, Rat Bad Dude Tito, and Che uh, Cabrera. So a lot of new Daddy stars. With a Z? Huh? Zaddy with a Z? No, bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zaddies with a Z. The Wolf Zaddies. <laughs> the Wolf Zaddies. Hey. Okay. I, these are new stars, so check it out for sure. It's going to be available on Tuesday, September 15th on pay-per-view. They're going to have weekly pay-per-views with NWA. In the last bit of NWA news, once again, your good friend uh, Steve Thunder Rosa says that she wants to be a booker for NWA in a recent interview with Fightful Select. Chrissy Love, what are your thoughts on Thunder Rosa potentially being a female booker in the professional wrestling world for one of the top promotions, NWA? I like it. Do it. Let's let's have the ladies get us, you know, put their hand in the in the pot, stir it up, and let's do it. Stir. I'm sure they can do. A, I'm sure she'll do a, a very good job. And it's something new, something new. We always love to see that. And then finally, we have gotten to that time where we talk about the big show this Saturday. It is going to be in Chicago Heights at that beautiful, beautiful stadium. If you saw Friday Night Lights, that stadium is immaculate. I must say, Principal Steve, you do a good job at, at picking locations. And I know that is your, your homestead, your home away from home right there. But that stadium just looks immaculate on, I saw I saw the whole show on Fight TV. Unfortunately, I couldn't get out to Chicago, Illinois. I know Stat King, you were in the crowd. How was that? How was that experience being in the stadium from the crowd perspective? I thought it was really great. They, the way you guys had it all set up with people with with, with having rings of, of, of people being able to sit in rings, so to speak, around the the ring itself, and then people being able to really be involved with the talent because. When, uh, when, when Robin and Frank the Clown came out for the title match, they were driving on a go-kart, not a go-kart, like a, like a golf cart, rig set up. They were driving around everybody. So everybody got to be involved. Everybody got to uh, tell Frank what they thought of him and give him their, uh, their, their two cents. And that was, that was amazing. So I liked how you guys just had everything set up, even with the fan fest beforehand, with people able to meet uh, talent, which uh, you guys... Are, are great at allowing people to interact with talent. So, yeah, hats off to you guys again. And I'm, I'm sh- I'll, I'll, I mean, why do I need to talk about it? I'll let you sit, tell us everything <laughs> you need to know about, about the amazing show that the people are going to be able to watch on Fight. 
Well, I got the card right here, so I will run it down and get Steve's thoughts on each and every one of these uh, big matches. So I'm going to go from bottom to top. That's how we usually do with our main cards that we predict here. And I will kick it off with Steve here. We got Tom Lawler, who I told you on our uh, Friday Night Lights preview show that was on Wrestling Travel. You could check that out on their YouTube channel. That Tom Lawler versus Minoru Suzuki was the first dream match that I ever saw from Warrior Wrestling, and I've been a fan of you guys ever since then. And he is going to verse uh, Kevin Q, who just saw a sign with MLW that we just spoke about earlier. So what's your, how did you come together with this matchup, and what's your thoughts on it? Well, great question. So we love working with Tom Lawler. Tom has been on uh, three Warrior Wrestling shows. He's faced Chris Ridgway, Killer Cross, and Minoru Suzuki. And for, for booking Tom Lawler, you need to put together a very particular match. Tom can wrestle anybody anywhere. He's a very versatile guy. But Tom excels in those MMA hybrid style matches. A lot of strikes, a lot of submissions, a lot of quick suplexes, etc. So you got to find somebody that can go pound for pound with Tom like that. Kevin Koo is somebody whom we've had our eye on for about two years now. He and his partner Dominic Garini are violences forever on the indies. They're an incredible tag team that is MMA striking submission and explosive suplex based. And so we knew we wanted a Tom Lawler match on this show. And so we went no further than guys that he knows really well and matched him up with Kevin Koo. So for the audience that doesn't know Kevin, they're going to walk away from this show incredibly impressed. And everybody knows Tom and everybody loves Tom Lawler. So, so Steve, what we, what we usually do with these big shows is we also add in our predictions. I won't get your predictions because you might be spoiling stuff, and I, that's a conflict <laughs> of interest. So, Chrissy Love, who you got? Kevin Koo versus Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler for the win. Stat King? I'm going to go with Lawler as well. I'm going to go with Lawler as well, even though I'm very much looking forward to seeing Kevin Koo and seeing what he has now that he's a new signee to MLW. And this is like you guys are having it before MLW. So I, you're a tricky you're a tricky guy, Steve. I got to hand it to you. Uh, <laughs> we got returning from Mexico, uh, Daga going one-on-one -on -one with Isaiah uh, Velasquez. And Velasquez was one of the guys that stood out the most for me uh, during Friday Night Lights. Uh, he's a guy that I, I wasn't too familiar with. I know he's a mainstay in the Chicago area. But Steve, tell us a little bit about this one. Sure. So this has implications not only as an excellent match, but also for the main event of the show. So first of all, as you said, Isaiah is a staple here in Chicago. He is the ace of freelance wrestling and freelance underground. He's starting to branch out to some other places as well. He really is um, just a phenomenal wrestler. And he's one of those guys where if a greater spotlight was on him, people would take to him immediately. And so now he's beginning to get that. He's wrestled a little GCW. He's starting to spread out from the Chicago area. And we want to be all aboard that train. Uh, Daga has been a standout everywhere he's been, from AAA to Impact to Lucha Underground, and their styles, we think, complement each other incredibly well. And so this is going to be an awesome match. Daga has put his uh, AAA uh, title on the line. The uh, Latin American uh, Heritage title is on the line. And as well as I mentioned a, a moment ago, this has implications for the main event, mm -hmm. because each of these gentlemen, it is no coincidence that they're facing off on this show. They each have a significant other who is going to close the night out. So not only are they fighting for a title, not only are they fighting for a victory, they are fighting for bragging rights for their better halves. 
They're trying to get momentum in the household uh, for, yeah. for for this one. It's the battle of the households between this match and the main event. So who you got, Velasquez versus Daga on this one? I know you're biased, uh, Stat King, but I'll ask you anyway. Isaiah, I got a. I'm, I'm I'm a freelance guy, so Isaiah's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> who you got, Chrissy? I got Daga. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also go with Daga on this one. His, this is one of his first matches fresh from uh, Mexico. The newly married uh, Daga, so congratulations to him for sure. This one has implications on the next big show for Stadium Series. Number one contenders matchup is going to be two of indie wrestlings. Uh, they, they're like living legends in the indie wrestling world right now with Joey Janela of AEW versus the man who went one-on-one with Cody a number of weeks ago for the team. TNT Championship Warhorse. Wow! I, I gotta hand it to you for making this match right here, Steve. Right? But like, what was your what was the thought process behind this one? You got pulled. I think you hit the <laughs> nail on the head when you said these guys are two of independent wrestling's uh, mainstays right now. And we want to, when we build a show, have a variety of different types of matches. We want some flying, we want some technical, we want some brawling, etc. We want an indie dream match. And if you are an indie wrestling person, especially on social, you know and love Warhorse. And if you have been an indie wrestling person for a few years, you know and love Joey Janela. Well, for the first time ever, they clash. One of them wins and challenges Pillman next week. We're excited for this one. Wow. Yes. I'm very much looking forward to this match and the resulting match against Brian Pillman uh, Jr. Brian Pillman Jr. showed so much in that matchup against Robert Anthony at uh, Friday Night Light. So these guys got to really bring it in this match to kind of prepare themselves for Pillman uh, next week. But who do you got in this one, Miss Chrissy Love, with Warhorse and Janela? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going with Janela. Is he going to bring Sunny Kiss with him? <laughs> we don't know. You 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 never know. It's a bad romance. You know, you, we didn't talk about their their match with uh, right. at, on Dynamite with the uh, Inner Circle, Chris Jericho and Jake H- Hager. I will say, uh, I love Joey Janela, but Sunny Kiss definitely was a standout in that <laughs> one. But who you got, Janela versus Warhorse in this one, the stacking? I'm gonna go with Janela. Janela had that win over Jake something at the Friday Night Lights show. Now he picks up the win over over Warhorse, and he's building that momentum towards the match with Pillman. Let's get to that. Yeah. That that's going to be a good match. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be different here, and I'm gonna go with Warhorse. Warhorse just has so much energy, and I, I think I think <laughs> we talked about it on our preview show for Friday Night Light, Steve. I feel he's like a hybrid of Ultimate Warrior and CM Punk, just rolled into one. It's just a it's just a wonderful mix that he has and he brings to this. So this one is very interesting. This is coming off of the match that Warhorse won at Friday Night Lights. These are two competitors that were in the Stadium Stampede scramble match i uh, you you that that was such a unique matchup with so many different characters and these are two of the characters that stood out the most in that one as we're gonna have dan the dad going one-on-one with elena black and i know elena black made her debut at friday night light steve so how did you how did you come up with this one following up from that scramble match well as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're always looking to put on very different types of matches for our audience. And one of those is character matches. You know, wrestling is fun. Wrestling should be fun. 
So just after you watch Incredible Athletes tear it up and fly all over the place, you should be able to watch Incredible Characters interact too. And I think both of these stars, Dan the Dad and Elena Black, have really come into their own in the last year or so and really found their character. And so not only are they very well developed, but the match is perfect as well. You have everybody's dad versus the rebellious, young, goth, possibly, you know, satanical witch. <laughs> and, and so I think it's just a really cool uh, dynamic to see how that's going to play out. As a as a dad, I'm you know you know I can only imagine if my my sweet baby Harlem grows up to be a goth witch. So I'm I'm I am going to root for Dan the dad in this one. Oh, uh, on. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain here. Uh, <laughs> Chrissy Love, who you got? I'm going with the goth. You got you got Elena <laughs> Black in this one. Yeah. All right. So one for Elena Black, one for Dan the dad. Who you got, stacking? I'm going to break the tie in favor of Elena Black. Uh, I've seen her do great work with uh, Jesus Bryce in Freelance. I've seen her uh, in, the, in, the, in the scramble match uh, last month. Uh, she has a very good character, but just just as, as you're saying, the concept of a father dealing with a rebellious child, like that just in and of itself, with you, when you have Dan, uh, Dan, the, Dan the Dad's ability to work a crowd with facial reactions, with, with building up to spots, that's going to uh, play off very well with her. So uh, looking forward to the match and Elena Black. It's my pick. So I, I would just say with these final five matches, I, I wouldn't argue with anyone who predicted any of these matches to steal the show. But starting off with this one, this is a woman's dream match, in my opinion, as you have the NWA World Women's Champion Thunder Rosa going one on one with Kimberly. This is Impact Wrestling versus NWA in this one. Hmm. If you know the history, that's a very, that's a very <laughs> you're a very tricky man, Steve, for making this one. But how did you come up with this? You know, it, it, well, it's the first time ever. And we think very highly of these two women. We've wanted to work with both of them for a long time. And it was the perfect match. Uh, Kimberly is strength and suplexes and strikes and mm. shocking agility. Thunder Rosa is that hybrid MMS, MMA-style athlete. Kicks submissions, reversal speed, and I think they're going to gel incredibly well. And we have a lot of fans in Chicago of both. Thunder Rosa has been in freelance a few times. Kimberly is a former staple of AAW. So there are Chicago fans that feel very passionately about both of them. So let's give them the clash of those two uh, idols and in a match that's going to be incredible. We will start with the Lady of True Hill Heat. Who you got? Thunder Rosa versus Kimberly. Thunder Rosa. One for Thunder Rosa, Stat King. La Mera Mera. Thunder Rosa. I think it's going to be a clean sweep here. Thunder Rosa showed out. Like I said, I gave her the MVP of All Out, co-MVP with Sheeta. So I think she's going to be one of the MVPs at Stadium Series Night 1. And as usual, this one is bound to blow the roof if there was a roof on this stadium. <laughs> the Rascals, once again, in trios action versus the 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 Bay Injustice, I will call them, as it's going to be Myron Reed teaming up with his usual partner Jordan Oliver and with Impact Wrestling's own, the former X Division champion Chris Bay. Are you, so 
this one, I gotta hand it to you, Steve. This is some of the most athletic guys possible, and I didn't know how you could top that that athletic dream match that was that uh, trios match with the Rascals, Zayn, Carter, and uh, Trey Lamar at the last event. But this one is just so much personalities in here with the rascals chris bay is just a, a bountiful of charisma and it's going to be satter bay by the way if you didn't know yeah. it's going to be satter bay so he's got the advantage on this one with the injustice how did you come together with this one you know we as you alluded to earlier the rascals are friends of ours here at warrior and not only great stars of the show but great guys and when we talk with them we, we often talk with our mainstays about who do you want to work with Who's somebody that's out there that you that you say, you know, I really want to work with these people. And so for the Rascals, we always ask them, you know, what's next, guys? What do you want to do? And this is this came out of us throwing a lot of names back and forth with the Rascals. And when this combination came together, everybody's eyes lit up. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. said, yes, this is the next step for the Rascals. So I think a big key to our secret sauce is not that we're brilliant, but rather that we just ask the great wrestlers, hey, who do you want to have a great wrestling match with? And then we get out of the way. <laughs> That's also very smart. That's very smart on your part for, for doing that. Stat King, who you got in this one? The Rascals versus Bay Injustice. Speaking of getting out of the way, uh, as somebody who saw last month's uh, six-man match, um, getting out of the way is something that some people may need to do because this match is going to fly all over the place. And uh, I will take the Rascals in this one. Who do you got? Chris Bay, Myron Reed, and Jordan Oliver versus the Rascals, Chrissy. Um, Chris Bay, uh, Jordan Reed, and, and what was the last name? Myron Reed and Jordan Oliver. Yes, I have them as my picks. She's got Bay Injustice, so I'm going to break the tie here and go with the Rascals. The Rascals is just going to force Steve. They're going to put a blunt uh, or or a treehouse to Steve's head on, <laughs> on making a trios title for Warrior Wrestling in, in due time. This one is another dream match, in my opinion, as you're going to have another one, uh, another two guys from Impact Wrestling. TJP going one-on-one -on -one with Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley making his return to Warrior Wrestling. Steve, how how does it feel to have such a legend of the independent wrestling world coming back to you guys? You know, Shelly is another one of those guys that we were, we had the uh, great luck to work with for the first time at Warrior Wrestling 6. And then we all just hit it off. Loved talking to him, loved talking wrestling with him. He stole the show on, on our most stacked show ever, Warrior 6, against Austin Aries in only his third match back out of retirement. And so that just started a friendship. We liked the guy, and, and now we worked with him again at Warrior 8. And um, talk to him about some matches for this for this series. And again, he he throws out some names. We throw out some names. We talk. And TJP and Gresham were the top two names on his list. He and TJP had one match 15 years ago in PWG. Wow. And since then, they have not locked horns. So here we go, the rematch. And these guys are now 15 years better. Alex Shelley and TJP are 15 years better than when they met in PWG. So I have very high expectations for this match, and they may not be high enough. <laughs> yes, you got to put this out of the stadium into the sky over there in Chicago Heights. I'm going to go in this one with Alex Shelley making a great return. We got to shout out our good friend Justin Clapper of uh, Wrestling Travel who said Alex Shelley versus Austin Aries was the best match he ever saw at Warrior. Chrissy, who you got in this one? Shelley versus TJP. I got Mr. Shelley. I love a, a person that can have a, a girl, a, you know, and unisex name. 
Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you got, Stat King? Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Shelley as well. This is a clean sweep for Mr. Shelley. All right. This one uh, was a little bit of a change to it as it was going to be Brian Cage versus Alex Zane in a, in, a, in a great mashup of styles. But I believe we have a change to this. Right, Steve? That is correct. We are flipping Brian Cage's two matches in the stadium series. Uh, Alex Zane has a hip injury that he's still nursing. So Zane will return on 926 to face Brian Cage. This Saturday, Brian Cage faces the red-hot Benjamin Carter. And he is red hot because he's appeared with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's on this week. He was on this week's AEW Dark against Ricky Starks in in what Uncle Dave Meltzer said the greatest uh, AEW tryout match that anyone has ever seen. So Benjamin Carter is hot. If you haven't seen him before, check out Friday Night Lights on 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 Fight TV right now before you even get Stadium Series. Check out that and see what he delivered in that six man tag team match against the Rascals because. This guy delivers. That was my first time watching him, and I gotta say, ever since then, he's been blowing it up wherever he goes. So, Brian Cage versus Ben Carter. Who do you got, Chrissy? I think you're muted. I'm so sorry. <laughs> ben Carter. <laughs> you got Ben Carter on the upset yeah. against the machine. So, I'm gonna go. I uh, Even though he's red hot, I'm gonna go with the machine, Brian Cage. Brian Cage uh, got the victory. Got the victory at uh, Warrior at Warrior Wrestling Friday Night Lights, and I think he's on his way to a big time matchup with Brian Pillman Jr. for the Warrior Wrestling Championship. So I think he's gonna get the more momentum in this one. Who you got, Stacking? You know, you got the FTW champion, and I don't want to. I don't want to step on Taz's territory, but who better? Who, who, who's who's better than the Machine, Brian Cage? <laughs> Nobody. So you gotta you gotta go with Brian Cage. And this one right here may be may be one of the best main events I've seen from Warrior Wrestling, and that's saying a lot with the main events you guys delivered. But this one is a dream match, in my opinion, as she is going to make her return to professional wrestling for the first time since March. A woman that has been mirrored in controversy in 2020 but she was the first ever female impact world champion she is the current warrior wrestling women's champion i just did an article on her for sports kita for making her return to professional wrestling it is the one the only the diamond tessa blanchard will defend the warrior wrestling uh women's championship against smiley Kylie Ray, Kylie Ray, a a mainstay, a living legend in Chicago, Illinois, versus versus Tessa Blanchard. These are two of the very best female wrestlers in the business. Steve, talk about this one. I know Kylie Ray earned this opportunity defeating Ray Lynn at Friday Night Lights, but this one is just huge. Two years in the making. Yes, and so we are our journey into wrestling began at warrior wrestling one in may of 2018 tessa blanchard semi main event of that show in a victory over santana garrett kylie ray was supposed to debut at warrior wrestling two but she was injured and so she debuted at warrior three at warrior five tessa won the belt and so it has been a two-year journey from tessa blanchard's debut solidifying women's wrestling at the first warrior wrestling show to kylie ray and her journey towards that title Kylie was in the War of Attrition match at Warrior Wrestling 8 on the opposite initial team. Her team was eliminated. Kylie was never pinned or eliminated. And Kylie had very, very limited contact with Tessa Blanchard. 
And so now Kylie then had to win another match and earn her way back to get to Tessa. These two are, if I were to rank 100% honest, taking off my promoter hat and putting on my wrestling fan hat for a moment, if I were to rank the 10 best, most complete, well-rounded professional wrestlers in the world, regardless of gender, promotion, size, class, etc., Tessa Blanchard and Kylie Ray are in my top 10. As far as athleticism, quality of matches, ability in the ring, character, who they are as a person, their presence in the ring, they are stars. There is something, and, and everybody saw it when Kylie Ray debuted it all out in her brief uh, stay, or excuse me, double or nothing, with her brief stay with AEW, she simply was a level above everybody else. Tessa Blanchard, and you mentioned Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer a few times, Dave has said this and I agree with it fully, she, the closest thing to Tessa Blanchard is Tomohiro Ishii or yeah. Kota Ibushi. I mean, she just is. When she hits, she hits. When she bumps, she bumps. There is nothing of Tessa Blanchard that looks like a performance. She just is. She's in a fight. And so you have, I believe, two of the top ten in the world to do this, clashing most likely for the last time in the main event that we've been building to for two years in Warrior Wrestling. As a promoter, as a booker, as a fan, and if I may be so bold, as a friend, I am really excited for this main event. I'm very much excited. This is like the 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 main draw, and this is a great position for women's wrestling. Being in the main event, we will start with the Lady of True Hill Heat. Who you got, Kylie Ray or Tessa Blanchard? I am going to go with Miss Kylie Ray, the smiling face herself. <laughs> Kylie Ray getting the victory and becoming the new Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion. I don't even know if I should ask Stag King because he is terribly biased, but I would ask you anyway. Who do you got, Kylie Ray or Tessa Blanchard? So, in the uh, Isaiah versus Daga match, despite the fact that Daga is defending the AAA championship, I still picked Izzy. However, I will be staying true to my roots and being the homer that I am and picking Kylie Ray to win this match. Uh, she is an incredible performer. I've had the luxury of being able to see her live a few times, and uh, she just she's number one contender in Impact. And she's just, everywhere she goes, she shows out and she puts on a performance that you always remember. So I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking Kylie Ray. Yes, I am going to make it unanimous on this one. <laughs> Tess, I agree with everything Steve said about Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard just is more intense and hits harder than most most male wrestlers, let alone female wrestlers. And there's a reason why she became the first ever woman to win the Impact World Championship because she could compete with every single male in that company. And that's the reason why they got behind her and made her the champion Uh but I'm going to go with Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray has been built into this moment. I think that she is a mainstay for the Chicago area and putting that stamp on it and winning the Warrior Wrestling Women's Championship is just going to be a big notch in her hat. And I think she gets it this Saturday at Stadium Series Night 1. Before we close things out with our outro, Steve, tell us a little bit about Night 2 and Night 3 for Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series. Sure. So as I alluded to earlier, we've got Shelly versus Gresham coming up. The Warrior Wrestling debut of Luchasaurus and Tay Conti. We've got Brian Pillman returning to defend the title against either Janela or Warhorse. We've got Cage versus Zayn. 
Archer versus Rhino, the North versus Top Flight, um, quite a bit more Moose versus Suicide, Mike Bennett versus Cheeseburger, Jordan Grace nice. returns versus Kimberly. It is just going to be banger after banger after banger. So if you love wrestling, consider coming out to one or all of these shows because it's going to be a September to remember for Warrior Wrestling. And then after that, we're packing it up and we're done for the winter. So we yeah. are, you will not be able to see Warrior Wrestling until at least April or May of next spring. So if you want to wow. just build up like a squirrel hoarding acorns, get all of your wrestling <laughs> now before the snow hits. Such three huge shows. There's a bundle deal. If you're not able to go out into the Chicago, Illinois area to see any of these three big shows, Fight TV is your main source. Fight TV has a bundle package where you can get all three shows for a very, a very generous discounted price. So go out your way, go to Fight TV, and check out how you guys can see Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series because Steve is putting on some of the best independent shows throughout the entire world. So we thank Steve for joining us on True Hill Heat 91. Our outro and our plug for our lineup here. Yes. Give it up for Steve for sure. Our plug for our lineup on our YouTube channel. Our pay-per-view roundtable, as we mentioned before, for AEW All Out is currently up. You can see brand new editions of J News Japan, True Rewind, and the August edition of Joints and Jabronis are all up right now on our YouTube channel. A brand new AE recap, as well as our good friend here, Stat King with Dark Power, will be up this weekend. Uh... And of course, Steve, tell them where they can find find Warrior Wrestling on social media. And one more plug for the Stadium Series. You got it. So our website is warriorwrestling.net. All of the information is up there, plus all of our safety protocols. Uh, rain delay, God forbid that should happen. All that info is up on warriorwrestling.net, and you can get the tickets there as well. On socials, Instagram and Twitter, we're at warriorwrestling. No vowels in wrestling, so W-R-S-T-L-N-G. We're on Facebook as well. Like us follow us and most importantly come see a great show as you've said if you can't be there in person check it out in fight tv but i guarantee you you do not want to miss these shows i'm not gonna miss it i'm going i'm, I'm doing all the, the all the places doing the 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 fight codes you guys who don't have fight tv follows a whole bunch of different places wrestling travel are good friends they are giving you opportunities to get fight codes to check it out if you're not in the chicago illinois area a stat king i will suggest you make your way to one of those shows i know you mm -hmm. enjoyed friday night lights so make I sure did. you go out your way to go to one of those nights but stat king tell them where they can find you on dark power or and anything else where they can follow you on I was just going to say, uh, watch me on Dark Power. Uh, I don't really have, I'm not really that active on social media, so uh, I'm sorry there, guys. But I will say that uh, we were we wanted to go to the show on Saturday. We have, my, my girlfriend's, her friend's birthday is that we're, we're doing something on that Saturday. And when I told her the lineup last night, there was a moment <laughs> where she thought that, she won't admit to it, but there was a moment where she was Come like, up with an excuse so she doesn't have to go. She's like, <laughs> like, Kylie Ray's my favorite female wrestler. And I really, like, Thunder Rosa, like, I love her. She's just like, there's that moment. I was like, ah. So, guys, like, you're not going to want to miss this. We are definitely going to be watching on Fight TV, whether we have to, we're going to have to order a replay, but we will find a way to make sure that we support Warrior Wrestling and watch this show. I encourage all of you guys to do that as well. Absolutely. I'm right there with you, Miss Chrissy Love. Where can they find you on social media? 
Um, you can find me, uh, the search is Chrissy Love or Chrissy Love underscore. That is my Facebook. Um, no, that is my IG and my Twitter. Also, you can uh, find me on Facebook underneath my regular name. <laughs> uh, it's Crystal Lynch. Um, blessings to all of you guys. So, yeah. Absolutely, and you can follow the True Hills, the True Hills group page is up on Facebook, True Hill Heat. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Battle Club Pro is one of our other partners. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well, as well as Wrestling Travel, our good friends at Uncanny Attractions. They got a great show that's up. Their whole cinematic show is up on uh, IWTV, so check them out as well. Um... You can check out on YouTube. Battle Club Pro is up on there. Chrissy Love's favorite YouTube channel, My Battery is Dying, of Marcus Cash, is up on there. He's reviewing Monday Night Raw as well as F4 Family. Jimmy Macaram, I am on his YouTube channel reviewing Umbrella Academy and Ozark. Unfortunately, not power because he's not a good fan of that anymore. Uh, oh, no way. It's not or, that bad. You got to give it another chance. I, I told them that, but no, they won't give it a chance. Uh, Alex McCarthy, hey, Tom Connick, you can follow them and subscribe to their YouTube channels as well. And you can listen to True Hill Heat on iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite audio podcast platform. So for our very special guest, Steve Tortorella of Warrior Wrestling. Thank you very much for joining us, good sir. Thank you guys for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure. And anytime you want me back, I'm here. Absolutely. We are definitely going to have you back on. You are a great guest for our fill-in for for Top Guy JJ, Stat King. Thank you for joining us once again, sir. Absolutely. Anytime. For the beautiful, the lovely, Miss Chrissy Love. Hey, guys. Love you guys. Until True Hill Heat 92 next week, it is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom SP3. We are signing off until next time.